This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy Podcast. Hi. I'm Felipe Christopher, and I've been using Ever Yellow for about four months now. The biggest change I've noticed regarding my use of Ever Yellow is that I find myself being more focused, more mindful. Um, I'm seeing myself having more pickup. Even when I was seeing my therapist, I had lapses in which I wasn't getting what I needed. But with my therapy and with the use of the app of Ever Yellow, I find that I'm more focused, I'm more dedicated to doing what I need to do, and I'm more mindful regarding such. I'm really focused now on wellness and recovery more readily, and I appreciate that. It's a great app. I love it. It's one of my favorite social apps, if that's what you want to call it. It's number four in my use, according to my dialogue, in which it tells me what activities I had on my app. Today at Modern Therapy Podcast, we have Mr. Alan Cox of everyellow.com. Um, Alan has given us his time today after multiple reschedules, and his very kind and nurturing self has been very kind to me in regards to accommodating my ever challenging schedule these days. Thank you, Mr. Allen. Mr. Allen, today we're here to talk about a couple of things, but first and foremost, Trauma is the overall theme. Alan, you've had quite a few challenges in your life. Child trauma stands out as one of the challenges you had, as in my experience. Trauma shapes people in a way that a normal path of development does not. In some cases, the person becomes an advocate, a person to correct such tragedies in society, while others succumb to the pain through use of drugs and other maladaptive behaviors in order to numb the pain, to forget the pain, to power over the pain. But today, Alan, how did you, how did your childhood trauma impact you? Um, yeah, well, well, thanks, uh, Philippe. It's really cool to be here today. Um, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I, think, I think I've got two answers for that, really. Um, one of them is kind of how it, um, you know, impacted, m- you know, my life and and ha- and the person I uh, I became to be, um, and and also you know what I've learned recently. I now look back and understand more now about how I was impacted, you know, at a a neurological and physiological level as well and the 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 two are quite distinct but but very uh, you know separate as well you know all very well connected as well um i think it would be fair to say that you know there was quite a bit of trauma in my uh, childhood and you know and that when when you're when you're growing up you know you you need love you need support you need you need lots of things right and 
when you don't get that and you're put into, you know, quite, quite scary situations that you just don't understand as a, as a, as a young boy, um, that, that causes you to develop in a way that's um, not good. Um, but what, what, but it's, it's far from, it's far from like a, just a, a fleeting thing, right? It, 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 it basically changes, um, you know, the, the neurological pathways and beliefs and about the world and everything that, you know, it, all of those things get laid down in your mind. Um, and, and that shapes your experience, um, for the rest of your um, time, at least until you, you know, kind of have some kind of awareness of the possibility that actually you can repair. Indeed, indeed. And thank you for sharing that perspective. Sometimes our parents say that pain is love, you know what I'm saying? And love is pain. Of course, we know as adults, as we learn and get past the things that impacted us when it comes to trauma and pain, that that is not true. You know what I'm saying? Love is love and pain is pain. You've, you know what I'm saying, navigated this world in which you live in and which you overcome unsurmountable odds, you know what I'm saying? You had, what, how did you manage to overcome such insurmountable odds in your your path to recovery, as everyone's path is different. I love to hear these stories of empowerment, of overcoming, you know what I'm saying, disparity in order to be a better you. Because yesterday does not have to define today, does it? Not, not, not at all, not at all. And um, so I, before I answer that, I kind of, like to just give a little bit of context that makes kind of my answer seem uh, more plausible, if you like. Um, so when, when I'd had my mental breakdown, which was, um, I think I've shared with you, I, I nearly got killed in the Canterbury earthquakes here in New Zealand. And that led me to have, um, a severe mental breakdown um, and the best way I can describe that is is I try to get people to imagine being in a dark tunnel where you can't even see what way you're facing there's there's no there's no there's not even a chink of light at either end of the tunnel it's just you kind of just feel hopeless, you know, almost like being, I guess, in a, you know, I can imagine like a mine tunnel where there's been a collapse or something, right? And that that's how I'd been for quite some time. Um, and I'd been told by my care workers that that's the way things are going to be for quite some time, you know, because of the severity of what, what I'd gone through. But... What then happened was not anything spectacular. What what actually happened was is a program came on TV, and if if you haven't seen it, 
I would really recommend that, you know, whether you do suffer from, you know, trauma, depression or whatever, or, or you don't, um, I still think it's a fascinating watch and it's a, it's a program by the BBC and it's called The Truth About Depression. And, and by the way, this is, I believe it's still freely available on YouTube. They, they put it up on YouTube and, and you can watch the, the hour-long episode. Now, I don't know how that come to be. It was just serendipity or whatever, right? But in that hour, a major shift occurred in me. And what the shift that had occurred is that, you know, going back to that analogy of being in that dark tunnel, I suddenly saw a chink of light, right? And the reason that I saw a chink of light was that I suddenly had a completely new perspective on what was going on in my head. And I think, you know, 99% of the problems that we have with our mental well-being is that we just simply have no, most of us have no clue whatsoever about what's going on up here, right? And, you know, so I got to learn that because of what I'd been through, not only over the years, but also the lead up to the breakdown and everything, I learned that my hippocampus was probably shrunk by 20% or more. Um, I learned that it can grow back relatively quickly, like within three months or so, if you do the right things. I learned that um, because of what was going on in my mind, my uh, there, would have, there would have been all kinds of chemical imbalances that were causing me to think, feel and act the way I was you know, thinking, feeling, and acting. Um, and and the other really big thing that um, I, I really kind of got a big, big perspective on is w with, with mental health, there's this um, kind of narrative, I think, that we all have in that, you know, we, we talk about things like being in your head, right? And, and of, of course, if you have struggles with your mental health, it is in your head, right? But, but what I think is meant by it's kind of in your head is it's kind of imaginary. It's not, it's not a real thing, right? And for most of my life, up until that point, I, I had kind of got that understanding and belief that what my what my um mental persona was was like was just kind of this not real thing and because it's not real it that's the way i will be forever and it can't be fixed um so what what then happened after that program that that was really like um coming to you know, a, t a T junction where one way said, do you want to carry on going the way you have been for the rest of your life, for the, you know, um, for the past few decades, whatever. Or the other one was, 
do you want to start going on a new path of discovery? And and basically that that is what I did. I, I you know e- even though I could I could barely read a paragraph without forgetting what I've just read. You know I, I went to YouTube and started learning about everything I possibly could. You know new. Um, neuroplasticity, um, positive psychology, Buddhism, Taoism, um, meditation, all, all of these different things. And, um, and, and, and it was really that education and through education, you, you change your thought patterns and your, um, the way you act um, and you know behave in certain situations so I'll just give you a, an example of like how how does a learning or a new perspective result in any kind of significant change well let's just use one example out of thousands right let's imagine that you know normally I would say be driving to work and somebody you know, uh, hoons past me in their car and cuts across me and almost, you know, takes out the front of my car, I would usually have probably bibbed on the hooter, you know, maybe did a rude hand gesture in front of me. Um, I would have got extremely upset um, and I would have gone to work and maybe even told a bunch of people, oh, guess what happened to me on the way to work, you know? And it basically then, you know, doesn't, it, ha- it has an, a, a really negative impact on the rest of your day. So how, how about you, so if you learn that, you know, you learn about, say, empathy and you learn about um, not, you know, bas- basically taking the time to think before you act, that that situation can change around completely, right? Um, so let's replay that story, right? I'm traveling to work. A car comes up, you know, hoons past me, cuts across the front of me. Um, and I think, okay, well, that there's something you know, going on in their life that they're in a mad hurry and and let's let's just let it go. I'm I'm still here. I'm it hasn't, you know, I'm still alive. They wasn't actually trying to kill me. They 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 probably didn't even see me. Um and then by the time you've got to work, you've completely forgot about it and you go into work with a smile on your face and you start talking to people. Completely changes your day. Um so, so really, that was how I kind of got back to, you know, not only got back to normal well-being, but got back to, you know, a very strong place of well-being. Is that over, over the the the, the last few years, I've just been like honing that muscle, really, you know, just just practicing, um, and and that and that's how I've that's how I've I got around things. Indeed, indeed. And thank you for sharing that perspective. You mentioned earlier how YouTube, you know, was a a light bulb moment for you regarding change. 
mental health is more prominent in the media these days, social media like TikTok and Instagram, web streams like YouTube and Netflix, television and movies, music and media campaigns. What is your view on the current media movement regarding mental health, as well as the stigma associated with mental health? Um, I think it's a very complicated area. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to know, uh, so I'm fortunate, fortunate enough to know um, a world-leading suicidologist that's um, basically consults with governments and what have you around the world about suicide and self-harm prevention. And what she was telling me, um, and I've you know subsequently looked it up in the research papers, is is if if you actually look over time, um, the more that we've kind of spread the awareness around mental health, the the amount the amount of people with poor mental health and you know suicidation and all those kinds of things has actually increased completely in line with it. So that there is. There is one strong argument, and I'm not necessarily saying this is my distinct view, because to be completely honest and frank, I just I just don't have enough kind of data to to um, to answer it properly. But there, what I do know is there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, data that suggests well, actually, if you if you um quieten down the noise around mental health it will actually help improve mental health right so it's a really strange dichotomy where there's a there's a very big movement that says look we need to raise mental health awareness and everything but at the same time there's a lot of evidence saying well that is probably the worst thing you can do um the the other thing around you know, your question about you know what do I think around the current kind of media focus around mental health? My my biggest thing is that um, nearly all of the well, actually, I, I would almost say a hundred percent of the focus is on poor mental health right it's it's all around the avoidance of being mentally ill or mentally unhealthy um but but in actual fact there's a much much bigger and um much more exciting uh narrative around mental health and well-being that is completely absent and that, and that is that, and just to kind of explain, if you think of mental well-being as being a spectrum between like one to ten, where one you're, you know, maybe self-harming or suicidal, and ten you're, you know, you're floating off the ground and more enlightened than the Dalai Lama or something, right? If you imagine that scale okay, sure, there's 20, 25% of people that are down the bottom end. You know, they've got, they've got very poor or poor mental well-being. 
and then up the top end, depending on what research data you look at, there's probably only sort of 15% of people around that number that have, you know, good and very good mental well-being. You know, they, they, they get up bright and early, you know, with full of energy. Um, they look at everything optimistically and they, they're, they're happy to be alive. They look forward to life, all those kinds of things. Do you know what? There's a, there's a, there's a massive body of people, right? Something like 60% of all of us that are just at various shades of gray, you know, in, in, in terms of like the actual scale definitions, it's just called, okay. You know, you get very poor, poor, okay, good, very good. There's just so many of us that are just in that okay gray area and what is the opportunity by highlighting that and saying, well, if we move everybody up the curve, it actually creates all kinds of opportunity, right? Um, you know, we become more creative, we become more energetic, we, we can spot problems and we can solve problems better. There are just so many benefits around the advancement of our mental health and well-being. Um, so I'd, I'd really like to see the narrative around mental health and well-being kind of shifting away from this danger, horrible place to actually it's a really cool thing that if you, if you do work on your mental fitness, you, you can have a, a fantastic life you can you you know one one day you will depart this world um and you'll have the ability to depart this world you know with a smile on your face and being proud of the life you've lived rather than just having survived it thank you for sharing that perspective I used to work for a company a mental health company at that a mental health agency that helped other people with their mental health agencies that did not take their staff's mental health into consideration, overworking them, causing them to burn out, causing some of them to slide into unethical behaviors, causing them to slip into addictive and maladaptive behaviors in order to cope with such a toxic environment. What do you think the role of a business should be regarding their staff's wellness? Yes, it's a it's a really really great question, and it's it's obviously very topical, you know. In these, um, well, you can't even call it post COVID, right? COVID will always be with us, and uh, um, with this new outbreak, uh, what's it called? On on Omicron, um, you know, it's like oh my god, an another another thing. Um, this is this is actually a topic I could talk for for you know I've spent a lot of time speaking to business leaders with occupational uh, psychologists. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that I could talk about. Um, first of all, there is you know um, kind of getting into more. And not that there's anything wrong with this as, at all, but getting into the more fluffy side of things is that companies have a moral duty 
to look after their people. It's as simple as that. So you you kind of might see all of these stats around, you know, absenteeism and all things like that. But but really, all of that stuff is secondary to the simple fact that as a company, you know, the, these people have given, I know, I know you pay them, right? But, but at the end of the day, they've still given you a part of their life to spend their time, you know, their 8, 10, 12 hours a day choosing to be with your company, right? So there's that moral thing um, that we really need to kind of fix. And I, 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 to, to be frank, you know, I've had, I've had a number of discussions around this recently. Um, you know, one, one, um, one thought leader was saying how it should be kind of mandated into the company's constitution, right? But I don't, I don't usually like to be kind of pessimistic, but I just see it's an enormous mountain to climb to think of like the, the vast majority of companies and their purpose. You know, most companies don't really have a purpose that really excites anybody, right? You know, what, what, would, what would be the purpose of... Um, say a mining company or a, a petroleum company or something like that, you know, at the end of the day, it's to make money. And when, when you've made X amount of money, then you, your next purpose is to make even more money. Right. So, um, so that, but now, now let's get away from that kind of just that moral obligation, even if you are just kind of um, a cold you know, don't really care about the the moral obligations of of um, that you have on your people. There is still a massive kind of um, ignorance around the the impact of not looking after your staff. What impact that has on the bottom line for your company. And that impact is in kind of that impact on your performance, if you like, your your business results comes into two big categories. And there's not there's not kind of a distinct line between them. There's a bit of a fuzzy line, but one one of those ones, which is again is the is the real narrative that we hear, is around um, things like if you have a well workforce, you'll have less sick days, you'll have less st staff turnover, so you won't have to be, you know, all the costs of hiring and retraining. There'll be less um, accidents, there'll be less insurance claims. There's a whole bunch of things, right? And there's been various um, studies done which look at the the return on investment for investing in the well-being of your people and depending on what which one you look at it's anywhere between you know three times return so you know some of the reports have said it could be as high as 
like 15 times or something like that. It all really depends what what industry you're in and what how you're measuring things. But you know what? Do you know, like I spoke about that 50, 60% of us that are just in that okay uh, state, that's where the biggest financial ROI can come from. Because if you're just living at like a, a mediocre, I'm just okay, you're not coming into work with energy. You're not coming into work with excitement about the job that you're doing. Your, your, um, the amount of work you get done will be far lower. You will be, um, you'll be much less, if there's, um, if there's various problems in your company that are causing you to, you know, increase waste or, um, you know, poor customer service, whatever those things are, your ability to spot those things will be significantly reduced. Your ability to innovate and, you know, outperform um, your competitors by creating better, you know, and more innovative products. Um, There's just this enormous latent opportunity there that I just don't think you know, 99% of the business community uh, realize. So there's, I I think, um, you know, all of those companies that, you know, like the one that you work uh, for and, uh, and oh, the irony, right? You know, I've seen that so many times here in New Zealand where, you know, um, companies that are basically health workers, you know, you know, or, or sorry, employ health workers to to care for communities. There's some of the worst places to actually look after their own people, which is like, oh my god, I just can't can't imagine that. But it's it's very real. So if you're if you're if you're a company that's like that, you know, the biggest message is, for God's sake, wake up and smell the coffee. You know, like. Um, the the board of di- you know the board of directors the CFO um, you know the 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 CEO just do some basic research on what your company could be if the well being of your people was a bit higher and it's just it's just simply a no brainer. Why be grey when you can be ever yellow? Ever Yellow was an app that you created. I downloaded the app. I signed up for the app. And I love the price point for what you get. But in your own words, please tell us about Ever Yellow. So I guess I guess just a bit of the backstory around Ever Yellow is that um, o- over the years, I have... Um, I've tried a, a gazillion different types of let's just call them self-improvement apps. You know, some of those were mental health apps. Some of them were, you know, meditation, mindfulness apps and those kinds of things. And I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't use them for very long. Um, And they just weren't for me. And, and at the time I kind of thought, Oh, this, this is maybe just me, you know, whatever. Um, but 
the more I looked into it, the more I understood what the problem is in the kind of mental health app space you know, or, or, or digital self-improvement space. And, and the problem is engagement, right? We, we just don't want to engage with these apps. And, and, and why don't we want to engage with them? Well, there's a number of reasons. Let's just go through some of them. One, they put demands on you that you just simply don't want put on you. Like you might get a you might get apps that say, you know, start writing, um, you know, a letter to your future self or a daily journal or, um, you know, go for walks in nature or or, or, whether, or whatever those things are. And I'm not at all saying any of those things are bad things. Of course they're not. They're really good things to do, right? But but especially when you're at the lower levels of mental well-being, you don't want to do them. You might not have access to, um, um, you know, places in nature to go and walk, you know, especially if you live in like uh, sprawling cities and things like that. So, um, so one of them is that the, the other big thing is like, they're just to be kind of brutal about them. They're just boring. You know, they don't, they don't give you enjoyment by using them. Right. They, they, it's, it's not, they're not, they're not engaging from, from, from that perspective. You don't really look forward to spending time with a mental health app. And um, and the and the other big problem is that they require you to take time out of your day or or find space to do these things that many people simply don't have. You know, um, you know, if if you do need to undertake any of these activities, you can't exactly do that while you're at work. You can't you can't do it while you're um, commuting to and from like college or school or something like that so so we we wanted to basically create something that was you know very solidly grounded in science but was painless you know totally painless for you to um to basically form a part of your you know daily habits or rituals if you like um so we, we created this app called Everyellow, which basically works by delivering to you a stream of uh, verbal narrations that we, that, you know, we've recorded thousands of narrations. We, we only, when you press play, um, we only deliver to you, um, you know, they, so these narrations are like coaching and, human guidance um, and they they also it also blends that with music and sound and um, people really enjoy listening to it you know it's something that they look forward to every day you know pe people will say use it every time they drive to and from work or they'll use it every time that they walk the dog or, or whatever they just tie it to an existing habit and it becomes really easy um and you know you, you what is kind of like quite amazingly unique that um 
one of the big things that our users really like is that you can fade down the vocals so that really all you can hear is the is the music so you can get on with your um you know you can get on with work or studying while ever yellow is playing for you know potentially hours yet it's still delivering their messages to you um subconsciously um and we've had some amazing stories how um people have only ever used it in that way you know like listening to the music yet when the time comes they they're, they're feeling better and that they've somehow developed these new cognitive skills that have um that helping them to think feel and behave in in you know more constructive uh, um ways that are help that are helpful to them so yeah we we've We've been working. There's a there's a hell of a lot of technology under the hood. We've made it as um, simple as possible to use from the outside, but you know there's a lot going on underneath. Um, and uh, one of the big parts of our, you know, we we have a, a social mission um, to help you know as many millions of people as we can around the world. Um, and a big part of our kind of um, ethos is that we believe that money should never be a barrier to well-being. Um, so, you know, you if you don't have money to pay for the app, there's still a comprehensive um, body of content on there. And we have many, many, you know, really wonderful stories of how um, Everyellow has improved people's lives um, even though they've not actually um, had to pay for it. So, um, you know, um, obviously if people um, do have the money to pay for it, we'd love it if they do. Um, you know, they, they get some extra um, benefit from doing so. And also it's obviously helping our uh, social mission as well. But, but, that, but that's, that's the story about Ever Yellow. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Any last words to share with us, Mr. Allen? Um, I haven't really kind of got anything planned. Is there, is there anything you'd like me to just talk about? <laughs> no, you definitely gave us, you know, a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Your website, your app, you know what I'm saying, Ever Yellow, I'm going to definitely promote it on my show and on my social media as I found it very, very helpful. Um, awesome. The, the coaching, the, the different coaching, the daily coaching, you can set up, you know, the frequency in which you want to get the coachings, the coachings blend with the audio. So it's like a balance. Maybe sometimes you want to hear more of the, the coach, or maybe sometimes you want to hear more of the music, different variations of music. You got the hip hop, the jazz, this, this, the ethno and the emo and all the different things is basically a, uh, an experience that you can mold to yourself to benefit yourself. It's not just built solid so that every formula fits everyone. The person can develop their own experience with the Ever Yellow app. And I find it be very beneficial. And then, like I said before, the, the price point for it, like you said, you get a lot, a lot of gambit of stuff for free. But then you get a lot for the $5 plan a month. But you'll do much better to get the monthly plan, which is only $30 a year. That is 
when you could play for comparable apps like Calm and uh, Hypnotherapy and things like that, that might cost $9.99 a month. And it doesn't give you any significant discounts. I think this is a great gift that you've given back to the community regarding your own journey of recovery and to help other people regarding their recovery. And I thank you for the development of the Ever Yellow app. And like I said, it's definitely something I'm adding to my arsenal and will promote it in my practice. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's great, great, to, great to hear that feedback. And we, we get a lot of feedback like that. So it's, it's awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. And that concludes another episode of More Than Therapy. And today's guest was Alan Cox with Ever Yellow, the app that you can download on Google Home, on Google Play Store, as well as the Apple Store. And it's an app that you truly should invest in. Thank you. Be well. Be great.